Welcome to The Vampire Squid, a podcast about increasing transparency and education in finance. This is your host, Alan Lee, and welcome to episode 25 of The Vampire Squid. Today, we have an exciting episode, and we're going to be talking about activist investing. I thought that this was a good segue from our previous episodes talking about trading options, trading stock, and the investment thesis. Uh, Activist investing has been quite prolific over the past decade, and I I think it's an important topic to talk about. As always, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please feel free to visit my website, thevampiresquid.com, and you can always follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash thevampiresquid, for updates on my blog and on the episodes. So I think the way I want to structure today's episode is to first start off with the activist investor landscape and how that's changed. Then we'll talk about the tools that activist investors use to implement change on a company. And finally, we'll talk about on a step-by-step basis how an activist investor will look at a company and try to implement that change um, at the very end. In terms of the activist investing landscape, you have your very notable activist investors, and I'm sure you've all read in the news or saw in the media many of these activist investors. You have Bill Ackman of Pershing Square, you have Carl Icahn, you have David Einhorn, you have Dan Loeb. So these are these are some of the most famous activist investors out there. And you know, before we dive a little bit deeper, just want to be upfront that the difference between activist investing and passive investing is on the passive investing side, you buy into uh, a company, you buy shares of a company, and you don't really have influence of what the company will do. You either think the stock is undervalued or the stock is overvalued, and you're hoping that over X amount of time, it will conform to whatever you believe um, the, the company is is valued. On the activist investing side, they will also purchase shares of a stock, but they will push for a change in the company. Um, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into you know what types of changes they push for a little bit later, but they take an active role in um, trying to shape what the company does in the future, and they want to have a, have a part in, um, in shaping how the company performs. So I think that activist investing has really taken off over the last decade or so, um, in part due to a few things. And I think technology is actually one of the uh, the major catalysts for a change in activist investing. So you have the internet, you have uh, smartphones, you have 24-7 connectivity to the internet nowadays. So activist investors, what they need to do is they need to get a lot of their information out there of their proposed changes, and they want all the shareholders of the company and the media and the public to know what changes they want to make so that in the event of a proxy fight, they have the support that they can get to uh, implement this change. So activist investors, as you've seen with the um, previous names that I've mentioned, usually create this presentation or they get on uh, news networks and they discuss a lot of the changes they want to implement um, and hope that investors will believe in their vision and you know support them in their endeavors. I also think that you know, with the access of public information, um, 10Qs, 10Ks, all these filings, uh, 
these have given activist investors a deep inside look into how companies operate. And not only just from a public filing standpoint, research has become a lot more in-depth and companies can do deep analysis into certain markets that other companies operate in. So for example, one of the activist investors noted that one of the companies didn't put salt in the water before boiling the pasta. And everyone knows that you have to put salt in the water um, to make the noodles taste better and uh, to make it boil faster. So that was one of the recommendations that one of the activist investors proposed um, for the company. So that is just one example of how granular activist investors can get when they're doing conducting their research um, and uh, doing their due diligence on a company before implementing or uh, proposing for implementation for change. Okay, so how do activist investors implement change or where do they implement this change? What, what do they want from a company? How does taking an active role differ from the passive role? So I think there's four key areas that uh, an activist investor would want to implement change for a company. The areas are they would look for operational improvements. They would look to change corporate governance. They will also look for financial improvements. And they could potentially look at strategic alternatives as well. So these, I believe, are the four main areas that activist investors look at before they uh, go public with their stake in a company and try to implement this change. So first, we'll start off with operational improvements. What does this mean? Um, operational improvements could be things like cost reductions. For example, if, um, you know, say the marketing team of a certain company was spending millions of dollars on newspaper ads or billboards, and research has shown that people aren't reading traditional newspapers anymore, or they aren't looking at billboards as much, and it's not proving effective. This could be an area of a cost cut that the, um, that the activist investor could uh, include in their proposed implementation for change. You also have things like operational restructuring. Um, and what this means is this could be, say you have a lot of your back office in, um, in locations like San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York, which are fairly expensive places, but these jobs can be outsourced to other countries. They could be outsourced to China, to India, you know, other countries around the world where it will be a little bit cheaper than if you had the uh, jobs done in the U.S. And you have probably seen a lot of this being done when you talk to support staff or you call in for your order. Uh, you might actually be talking to someone not from this country. So this could be an operational restructuring, uh, moving people around. Uh, that's one example of, um, you know, what an activist can implement. And another one is... Uh, productivity improvements. So for productivity improvements, this could be things like if your sales and marketing team, um, in technology, you have something where it's called customer acquisition cost. And this basically means how much does it cost to acquire a certain customer. And the way you usually find out what this uh, customer acquisition cost is, you can look at it in the public filings. You can see what their marketing expenses and you can divide that by the number of users or customers that they acquired over the uh, certain period of the filing. And when you look at customer acquisition costs, or we like to abbreviate as CAC, um, you also look at something called lifetime value, which is basically how much is that customer that you just acquired worth to you. 
And to calculate lifetime value, it's, uh, I believe, gross profit divided by uh, one minus retention. So basically how long the customer will be with you um, and how much they contribute on a gross profit basis. So when an activist investor is looking at, say, a certain company and they look at their uh, LTV to CAC, so lifetime value to their customer acquisition costs, if this number is really low compared to peers, uh, say it's lifetime value is actually lower than the customer acquisition cost. So basically you're paying more money to acquire a customer uh, that's worth less to you. So if it's 0.5, 0.6, 0.7, this is usually not a good sign. And you usually want the LTV to CAC to be 4, 5, 6, at least a certain multiple of the customer acquisition cost. So that's just one example of how an activist investor can look at how productive a sales and marketing team of a company is doing. And this could also be a recommendation for change saying your current marketing team or your current sales team is not doing a good enough job. They need to be replaced. Um, they need to be more productive. All of your peers have an LTV to CAC ratio of four, but you guys only have an LTV to CAC of one. So this is uh, this is something that needs to be improved upon. And second, so uh, for corporate governments, and this is also an example of what activist investors will look for. Uh, corporate governance usually includes your board of directors and the senior management. So basically the people that govern and control the company. Now this is really important because if you had a very good management team or a great board of directors, they usually would have seen some of these improvements that the activist investor is implementing or wanting to implement. Uh, for example, in the last example of LTV to CAC, if there's this very low, you know, the senior level management should be hiring new sales employees or new marketing employees, but maybe they have it. Maybe they have a, you know, a vested interest in some of their employees or you know, they're just hiring their friends and they don't necessarily want to fire their friends because of personal relationships. Things, things like that could be um, some of the reasons why an activist investor will look at a certain board of directors or a certain management team and say, hey, look, you guys aren't fit to run this company because you might have conflicts of interest. Um, you might not have enough experience and you guys aren't taking the company in the right direction to maximize shareholder value. And uh, I should have mentioned this in the beginning, but an activist investor's goal is to maximize shareholder value. And that's what all these things are doing. These implemented changes, these um, things that they want to control about the company is to ultimately maximize the shareholder value. And in, when they maximize shareholder value, they maximize their value as well. So they have a vested interest in how the company performs and their interests are aligned with the uh, the normal shareholders. So, for example, for the management team, you know, there was this one activist investor that looked at the um, management team of a certain technology company and noticed that one of the CEOs of the technology company had lied on his resume that he had a computer science degree. And once they made that very public, it was fairly easy to um, replace that CEO with another CEO. So things that's just one example of a, of a real-life situation of how um, activist investors can do research into the management of a company or even the board of directors so that uh, they could implement a change for replacing these people. Um, and they will usually replace these people with people from the company of the activist investors or uh, appointed people by the activist investor that have the same vision and goals aligned with them.
Uh, next, for the financial aspect of um, improvements that an activist investor might want to see, this is things like issuing dividends, um, buying back shares, and maybe even restructuring the company to a more optimal form, so the, the debt-to-equity ratio. And what this ultimately does is um, these things try to maximize shareholder value. So dividends, you get money, more money back for your shareholders. Um, share buyback, in theory, reduces the float of the stock. So you know, the stock price goes a little bit higher. Um, and then if you run your company optimally from a you know, debt-to-equity ratio, uh, this will you know, reduce your cost of capital. And you know, a real-life example of this is you know, some companies have maybe, say, a lot of cash on their balance sheet. Um, they may have billions of dollars of cash, and some activist investors may look at it and say, you know, what what good is all this cash doing on your balance sheet? You should be using this cash to either create value for the shareholders by issuing a dividend. Um, you can do it by buying back stock. Uh, you can even also use this cash to acquire other companies so that you can venture into new segments or create new value through synergies. So this is uh, a way that an activist investor will look at, say, a company's balance sheet and say, oh, X company has way too much cash compared to its peers. Um, they could be using this better and will try to uh, propose a huge dividend and will try to propose a share buyback or dividend. And these are some examples of how activist investors may want to um, implement financial changes uh, for a company. And the final one is uh, strategic changes. So strategic changes could be things like a spinoff, or they could be things like a merger and acquisition, which we spoke about uh, at length before. And for the spinoff, and I think we can even do an episode on how spinoffs work, but uh, for a spinoff, how this works is, so a lot of companies nowadays have um, other businesses in addition to their core business. So for example, a company may have a PC business, and they also might have a printer business. Um, and it might make sense to spin off a division so that the management can focus on the core division of the uh, of the company. Because you know, once you start getting into conglomerates or you have too many sections of a business, it can get quite difficult to manage, um, and it might be mismanaged. So it could create more value if you had actually separated the two companies so that. Um, they can actually focus a lot on you know, how to take the company in the right direction and how to maximize shareholder value. Uh, and M&A, this, uh, you know, this is something we, we talked about quite a bit, but M&A, you know, they could, an activist investor could say, look, your company isn't being run well. I don't think it could be run well unless X company acquired it. And they can buy shares into the company and try to push for that change. Or they can also look at a company and say, hey, you guys need to buy X company, um, which will provide a lot of value for your shareholders because of these synergies and uh, economies of scale, economies of scope. And this could be um, a reason that an activist investor will get into a stock to push for an acquisition or to push for a, a merger. So that is the toolbox set of how investor activist investors can think of how they want to change the company and you know now we'll dive into how do activist investors actually do this 
you know, what are the steps, what are the normal steps that an activist investor will take to implement the changes that we just listed? So what an activist investor will first try to do is he will start accumulating shares into the company. And usually they'll accumulate a fairly large quantity. So they build up, you know, 1%, 2%, 3%. And once you start hitting 5%, you have to file a public filing with the SEC. Um, and this filing is called a 13D. So this filing, you have to file uh, with the public. So everyone knows that X activist investor is invested into this company and has a significant share of the company. And, you know, what, what are you guys doing with this company? What is your proposed intention? Next, the activist investor, after acquiring this, uh, this large amount of shares and having to file this big public filing, they'll usually release, release a public statement. And this could be in the form of a letter to the board and management, or this could be an online presentation. Um, this could be going on CNN, and this could also even be a tweet. And that's actually happened, you know, fairly recently. Someone tweeted, "We just acquired X percent of you know X company." So they go public with their announcement that um, they have acquired a significant share uh, in these companies. And in the statement, they'll usually include what their proposed changes are. So they'll propose a new board of directors. They'll propose uh, a push for an acquisition, or they'll push for a share buyback or a dividend. So these are some of the most common um, common changes that an activist investor will push for once they make these statements. And they'll these letters can be. Uh, you know, these, these letters can be fairly in-depth. These presentations will be very in-depth. You know, as I mentioned before, you know, noting that salt in the water before pasta, uh, they could be 130 pages um, of analysis on every single thing that the company can uh, improve upon. Um, and now it's released to the public. So everyone can look at these letters and presentations. Um, and I'm sure if you guys just do a quick search of some of the names that I mentioned in the beginning, you'll find some of these presentations. So now... Now, after they've done this big public announcement, it can go one of two ways. The management and the board of directors of the company can be cooperative, and they could say, wow, these are some um, interesting and reasonable changes. Let's work together to try to get them implemented so that we can maximize shareholder value because everyone has the fiduciary duty to maximize shareholder value um, for all the shareholders like you and me. So on the other hand, the company management and board can say, I don't think any of these make sense. This activist investor is very short-sighted. They don't see the big goal that we have in mind. I don't think any of these changes make sense. We cannot sell our company or we need to save the cash for an acquisition. Um, and they can disagree on what, uh, what direction the company can be taken in. So now this can turn into a hostile situation. So for the other situation that I just mentioned, obviously they'll cooperate, they'll work together, um, and you know hopefully increase the stock price. But in this type of situation, this is where it gets a little bit hairy because now the activist investor and the board of directors and the management team will basically fight with one each other of who should control the company and what direction to take the company. So what an activist investor can do if the board and the management is not cooperating is they can go into a proxy fight. And a proxy fight is where shareholders can vote on if the management team or if the board of directors 
um, can be replaced by other people that are nominated. And in this case, it could be for the activist investors nominating certain people that are aligned with their vision onto the board. So, you know, usually before these things happen, an activist investor will already get a lot of um, support for the other shareholders. Because remember, the activist investor only has 5%. And 5% is obviously not enough to control the company. But maybe they might reach out to some of the mutual funds or the pension funds um, that have a very large stake in the company. This could be you know, 20% of the company, 30% of the company. And they're trying to convince them of the value that they can deliver. Um, so usually these activist investors will already have garnered a lot of the support in the background uh, before even publicly announcing their stake because it would be a shame if you only have the 5% of the company and you announce all these great changes, but you never talked to any of the large shareholders and didn't convince them. And now, you know, you go into a proxy fight and all the shareholders vote against you. So they'll usually do this. Um, they'll garner the support even before they go, with, go public with these announcements. Um, so now on the company management and the board of directors side, they are also trying to uh, fight against the activist investors. So they may be trying to convince their existing shareholder base saying, hey, let me run the company. I know what I'm doing. We can deliver maximum value. And you know what shareholders usually do is they usually tend to vote with the company management and the board because you know normal people like you and I are probably not thinking who should be the board of director. But in the event of the company stock price not doing very well, or you and I have lost a lot of money on this company, we're upset, you know, we're angry about the direction of the stock, then we might vote with the activist investor. And this is why activist investors usually go into companies that are performing poorly so that they can implement these changes and they can garner a lot of support because people are upset about how the management and the board have been participating. And in the event that people are against the board and the management direct uh, the uh, the management team, they also have a few things that are defense mechanisms, and they're called a poison pill, um, which basically issues a lot of new shares to existing shareholders. So it dilutes the amount of ownership that um, the activist investor will own, or they can use something like golden parachutes, uh, which give you know big payouts to management team, which make which may disincentivize certain activist investors from pursuing uh, their implemented changes. So there are some defense mechanisms that the um, the management can use, but usually if the company isn't performing well or you know shareholders are upset, they might vote with the uh, activist investor and then replace the board of directors. And then in that event, they might report, replace the management team and then take the direction of the company uh, in whatever the activist investor wanted to do. That would be considered a successful fight if for the activist investor if they're able to replace the board. And now, just because they're successful in this scenario, it doesn't necessarily mean that the company will be successful. Um, the implemented changes by the activist investor could go wrong, and the company could go even further down in share price. So not just, be, just because they won a proxy fight and got their implemented changes doesn't necessarily mean that the company will do better. But I think um, some of the statistics show that generally, if an activist investor enters a company and um, the company is cooperative, it's it usually maximizes uh, shareholder value or increases shareholder value. If they're combative, they don't add as much shareholder value. And you know these fights are 
fairly expensive. Um, and obviously, the media communication and getting their word out there is also uh, expensive and hiring lawyers, etc. So that is the general overview of what an activist investor will do to enter a stock and ask for implemented changes. So, you know, how how is this applicable to you? You know, why does this matter to you? So as shareholders of certain stock, this is uh, this is very important because, you know, now we know if we own X stock and the next day an activist investor announces that they have a sizable position in our company and are asking for these implemented changes. So now we know what activists can do. Um, from the uh, the four changes that I mentioned earlier, and you know we can form an opinion on whether we agree with that or we don't agree with that, uh, so that we could you know purchase more shares, we can sell our shares, um, and we could make more educated decisions on how we are holding our capital or allocating our capital. Uh, in the case of a proxy fight, you would also even get a vote. So you could potentially vote for the activist investors' uh, vision, or you can vote with the company and management team. Um, and you can form opinions on whether the, um, the changes that they'll make will be, you know, accretive or dilutive to the current share price. Um, so I think that it's important to understand what activist investors are and, you know, what the changes that they can implement. Generally, activist investors have the aligned interests with the shareholders since they are, you know, quite a big shareholder now and they'd love to create shareholder value. So that is it for the activist investing episode. And I hope this was a bit informational and helpful. And, uh, you know, just do a quick Google search on some of these activist investors. And they're they're quite entertaining at times, too, uh, especially when they're on air and arguing with each other on certain positions. Um, they are uh, definitely something interesting to watch. And I think you can learn a lot from uh, just reading some of these letters to the board or looking at some of the presentations that these activist investors have made. So. As always, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please feel free to visit me at thevampiresquid.com. You can always email me at alan, A-L-A-N, at thevampiresquid.com. So until next time, I will see you later and hope everyone has a good week. Ciao.